Hi, welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Alex Papas, Senior Pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Well, good evening, everybody. Great to see you all this evening. Thank you for your great response. <laughs> Amen. And um, so it's the middle of December. Actually, we're still really in the beginning of December. And it's beginning to feel a bit like Christmas. <laughs> so it's exciting time of the year and everybody's with their families and celebrating and definitely seems to be a little bit better than last Christmas, right? Last year we had the beginning of the pandemic and around December time our entire band had COVID. It was terrible. We had this whole Christmas production planned and then like three days before the production, every single one of them had COVID. And we had to do this like impromptu thing. But it worked out. Amen. But this year, they're not allowed to get COVID. <laughs> so, so, amen. We're not going to talk about any of that anymore. <laughs> I am, I have, I'm suffering from COVID fatigue. <laughs> I am so tired of COVID and vaccines and no vaccines and masks and no masks and all this stuff, just, oh my word, let's just get into the word of God. Amen. Amen. One thing I'm excited about is on Wednesday, the Supreme Court had a ruling or they had a meeting to discuss the future of the Roe versus Wade case. And I think that's something to be excited about. We trust in God. We're praying very intensely that God will do something supernatural there. I have no doubt that, that was the, when that was instituted here in the United States, it was the beginning of a bad season for the U.S. But believe also very much that God is going to turn that around. Can you say amen? Amen. So we will be praying very intensely for those judges and for that situation so that they can make the right decision, the God decision. Amen. And um, lots going on here over Christmas, and next week is the nativity scene, and there's a, there's a first responders ninja race. That's, that's what I'm going to call it. And there's a surprise team in that ninja race. You don't want to miss that surprise team. It's going to be surprising. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I just want to say one thing before I'm getting to the word. It was absolutely incredible to see so many people come out on Wednesday night to the movies. Wasn't that amazing? We had like 700 people pretty much, like 689 was 90 tickets or something that we sold. And there were people coming in from the church that had to come to the latest show that wasn't actually part of our group that met me in the popcorn line. You know, so I went to the popcorn line a little bit late, got to the popcorn line, and they said, Pastor Alex, we're here from Oceans too, but we're going to the 7.30 show because we couldn't get you in time. So it was really awesome. And, um, you know, a little bit too much music for me, but other than that, I enjoyed it. It was really great. Amen? So we won't talk about that now. So um, tomorrow morning, I'll be finishing the series on what happens to us when we die. <clears throat> tomorrow, I'll be discussing the destiny of the believer. Two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we spoke about the destiny of the non-believer, and that wasn't good. But tomorrow we'll talk about the destiny of the believer, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. 
to hear what God has planned for us. I'm going to show you some things tomorrow, and specifically there's one thing I can't wait to share with you that I don't know if many of you have seen this before. Sometimes we see things in Scripture, but we don't see them, you know? And I'm hoping that I'll show you something that you've seen but haven't seen before tomorrow, and hopefully it'll really encourage you about your family, about your loved ones that maybe aren't here anymore. So we'll get into that tomorrow. That's going to be great. Over the last few weeks, months, and years, (laughs) God has been very intentional with me about His presence. And being a church, an individual, a person that needs to seek His presence. I love the presence of God. I absolutely love the presence of God. And as time goes on, I realize more and more what that really means and just how important it is for us to be a people that are presence-driven, driven to His presence, driven by His presence, restored in His presence, healed in His presence, finding rest in His presence. That's where everything comes together for the believer. Unfortunately, there is the reality of the fact that so many of us don't pursue God's presence, that we don't go after Him. We don't go after Him with all of our hearts. And I'm going to show you something tonight. I want to show you what happens when the presence is present. And that's the message tonight, when the presence is present. Second Samuel 6, verse number 1. This is a very famous story. 2 Samuel 6, verse number 1, it says, And David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. You know, I just want to say that when we talk about the glory or the presence, the Shekinah of God, the Shekinah glory would rest between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. And so when that, that Shekinah glory was, was, was literally God's manifest presence on the earth right there between the cherubim. And it was an incredibly powerful thing. And the children of Israel had a tremendous reverence and fear of the Lord and acknowledged His presence with the Ark of the Covenant because We know that there were only certain individuals at certain times of the year. The high priest was the only one that was allowed into the most holy place to actually be present with the Shekinah glory. And it was like only once a year. So it was a very sacred thing. But take a look at this. It says in verse number three, So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out to the house of Ibn Ibenadab which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Io, the sons of Ibenadab, drove the new cart. So they'd basically gotten the cart, and they were going to bring the cart, they were going to bring the cart with the ark back to Jerusalem. It was a very exciting thing. The ark had not been with the children of Israel for some time, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So they're bringing the ark now back. This is a good day for Israel. Can you say amen? Verse number four, and they brought it out of the house of Ibenadab, which was on the hill accompanied by the ark of God. And Iah went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of firewood, on harps, on stringed instruments, tambourines. They should take that out the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> on sistrums and on cymbals. 
It's not funny. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I'm not a big tambourine fan. And, you know, last year the, the worship team put tambourines all over my office, under my toilet, under my chair. They made me a tambourine cake for my birthday, you know. So they, there we go. There it is. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. All right. Let's just proceed. (laughs) And when they came to Nokan's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. We're not going to talk too much about that tonight. But David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. I can imagine. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Because he was afraid of what had happened. And so David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remains in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And now it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all... That belongs to him because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the, up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Let's stop there. See, the ark had the presence of God right between the cherubim. And the ark was taken to Obed-Edom's house. And when it arrived at his house, the Bible says that the Lord began to bless his house. I want you to understand something. The Bible doesn't tell us that Obed-Edom prayed more. The Bible doesn't tell us that he behaved better. The Bible doesn't tell us that he did anything. Only one thing had changed, and that was that the ark was in his home. And because the ark was in in his home, the Bible says that God began to bless him. God began to bless him. There is no question that when you are someone that pursues the presence of God, when you are someone that lives a presence-driven life, He will bless you. When the presence of God is present in your life, you will be blessed. When the presence of God is present in you, kings will be jealous of you. I thought someone would like that, you know. There is nothing more valuable, there is nothing more powerful, more, pre- more precious than God's presence in your life. As a Christian, we can pursue many different things. We can pursue purpose, we can pursue different things, we can pursue all kinds of, of different stuff. But if we are a people that pursue the presence, we will see the reward of the blessing of God in our lives. I have seen people that have had a relationship with God, a very basic relationship with God. And as soon as they began to pursue the presence of God, as soon as they began to pursue Him with all of their heart, everything began to change for them. 
It is without any doubt very clear that as soon as the ark, the presence of God, arrived at Obed-Edom's house, he was blessed. He was blessed. He was blessed. Let's go to 1 Samuel 5, verse number 1. I want to show you another story about the ark. Are you all okay this evening? Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Eshod. They had taken the ark, the Philistines. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Dagon was one of the false gods. So the Philistines had taken the ark, stolen the ark, and they had taken the ark and put it in one of their temples by the statue of Dagon. And when the people, verse number three, and when the people of Ashad arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. So I want you to imagine they bring the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, into, into the temple. The statue of Baal is there. The false god is there, standing next to him. One morning they wake up and he's just lying on the ground. The next morning they wake up and he's cut into pieces and he's on the ground. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Verse number five. Therefore, neither, neither the priests of Dagon, nor any who came into Dagon's house, tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashod and its territory. And when the men of Ashod saw how it was, they said, the ark of God of Israel must not remain with us. Ooh, I like that. You see, you have to understand something. That when the enemy comes against you, when the enemy attacks you, if you have the ark, the presence of God living inside of you, that devil ain't going to hang around, friend. The enemy, the devil. Yes, I talk about the devil sometimes. He does not like it when the presence of God is present. When the presence of God is present, he cannot stand. When the presence of God is present, he becomes weaker. When the presence of God is present, he gets struck. Can you say amen? And that's exactly what began to happen. Because the presence, because the ark was there, the enemies of God were struck. Isn't that so powerful? Let's go to verse number nine. And so it was after they had carried it away that the hand of the Lord was against the city, a very great destruction. He struck the men of that city, both small and great, with tumors broke out on them. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And so it was. The, the, the ark of God came to Ekron, and the Ekronites cried out, saying, they have brought the ark of God of Israel to kill us and our people. And they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. I want you to understand something. 
that when you carry the presence of God, when you are someone that pursues the presence of God, two things are going to happen. The first thing is God is going to begin to bless you. He's going to begin to change you. He's going to begin to transform you. That's the first thing. The second thing is he's going to deal with the enemy. He's going to deal with the enemy that's been plaguing you, that's been harassing you, that's been trying to break you down. You see, when the presence is present, the devil can't stick around. And so when, when the enemy got a hold of the presence of God, God struck him. And that's exactly what happens to you when you begin to pursue his presence. Pastor Alex, how do I overcome? You can do nothing, friend. Pursue God. And the more of God that's in you, the more the enemy will run away from you. The devil doesn't stick around where the presence is. The enemy is afraid of the presence. That's why when Jesus came, he said that he was anointed. He was anointed. Anointed to break the yoke. Anointed to preach the gospel. To set the captive free. There was an anointing on him. What's that anointing? That's the presence of God. Jesus carried that presence everywhere that he went. And wherever he went, the enemy, the devils would scream. Wherever he went, people were blessed and touched. As believers today, we have to be a presence-driven people. We have to be a people that pursue God's presence with all of our hearts. We cannot be a people that are just mundane that to just do the same old, same old. We have to be a people and a church that pursues God's presence with everything. Otherwise, we will just be by the by the wayside. As a church, we can never be effective without God's presence. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's His presence that breaks the yoke. There is nothing outside of that for us as a church. If we don't have his presence, we have nothing. If the glory departs, we're in trouble, guys. If the glory has departed in your life, I want you to know you're in trouble. So what can we do? We have to get back to his presence. We have to seek his presence. We have to be hungry for his presence so that we can experience both his blessing and his deliverance. God wants to set you free from everything that the enemy desires to do against you. But the way to do that is to go after him. What I love about the story of Obed-Edom is that the only thing required, the only thing necessary for the blessing to come upon him was for the ark to be in his house. I can imagine Obed-Edom getting up in the morning, drink, getting up with his cup of coffee, going sitting around. Maybe, maybe he was afraid of the ark, so he sat in the room next door. And while he sat in the room next door, he didn't even know what was taking place. But because the presence was there, things were busy happening. His children were getting blessed. His family was getting blessed. His business was getting blessed. Why? Because of the presence of God. He didn't go build a special house for it. He didn't go and do a hundred laps for it. He didn't go and do anything. All he did was embrace it. It was in his home. It was there with him. And that's what we have to be. We have to be a people that are carriers of his presence. You have to pursue it. You have to desire it. It has to be with you. He'll never do anything that you don't ask him for. The Bible says, ask 
and you'll receive. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. But do none of those things and none of those things will happen. We have to pursue him. We have to desire him. And you know, it's so easy to come here on a Sunday or a Saturday night and we get all excited and we get all worked up and then Monday morning comes and we get back into our routine. You see, it's incredible because when you look at this, the glory or the presence, the Shekinah glory of God was between the cherubim. But there are experiences in Scripture where you see God's glory experienced by individuals and they are never the same again. When Moses encounters the presence of God, the glory of God, he's forever changed. The Bible says that when he was in God's presence, when he came down the mountain, his face shone with the glory. He wore a veil because he wanted people not to see his glory, but the truth is he didn't want people to see it fade. When did it fade? When he wasn't in the presence. The glory will fade. His presence will fade when you are not pursuing him. You have to pursue his presence. What does that mean? That means you want to be with him. If you want to be in someone's presence, you have to want to be with them. If I want to be in the presence of my wife, guess what? I have to spend time with her. I have to desire her. Listen, she knows when I'm not really listening. She'll be talking and I'll be going, mm, yes, mm, mm -hmm, yep. And then she'll say something really random and then she'll go, did you hear what I just said? Yes. That's why the Bible says that when we pray, we should not pray vain repetitions. We should not pray in a way that, I mean, let's be honest. Maybe you don't do it, but I do. I'll pray sometimes. I'll be like, I'll say the same thing about five times. And I'll catch myself doing it. And what am I doing? I don't have, a, in that moment, I'm not being real with God. I'm not pursuing Him and pursuing relationship with Him. That's why the Bible says that we should go. We should shut the door. We should go into the secret place. The secret place represents the most holy place. The secret place is that place where you meet with God. That place where you encounter Him. I'm not saying that, that you must do this every single day. If you can, that's wonderful. I, if it becomes a desire of yours, that's the way, that would be absolutely wonderful. But at the very least, it should be something that you desire to do. There is a line that has become so evident to me over the years in a believer's life. And that line is the line between a carnal Christian and a spiritual Christian. When you pray, you can pray in a way where, where it's just a normal prayer. And then there's a moment where you're praying and suddenly it's just completely different. There are moments when you're in your room alone or there are moments in the church service while we're worshiping where all of a sudden the atmosphere changes. And it's not the same anymore. And why is it like that? Because of his presence. You see, when his presence comes, it does a whole bunch of different stuff. Let me show you something. Are you guys okay? Isaiah 6, verse number 1. Isaiah 6, verse number 1. We sang about this tonight. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. What's happening? He is in God's presence, guys. He's having an encounter with the Most High God. This prophet is literally experiencing the presence of God. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. And so I said, this is what happens immediately when the presence of God comes. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here's a prophet, here's an individual that has decided to seek the Lord. And when he seeks the Lord, he is taken into a whole new dimension. And the dimension that he's entered into is a dimension that is nothing of this world. And as a believer, while you are pursuing God, while you are seeking God, I want you to know something. You can have an experience just like that. Well, you know, Pastor Alex, I've been in my room and I've been praying. And you know, and you know I can kind of like imagine it, but it's not really happening. Says who? I want you to hear me out this, this evening. Says who? Your spirit on the inside of you can have a spiritual experience while you are in your room on your knees. And you haven't physically in your earthly body been taken into heaven. That's why Paul said, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But I was caught up to the third heaven. He was taken into a whole new dimension. He was taken into God's presence. And when you are taken into God's presence, I want you to know everything changes. I have been there on more than one occasion. And it is wonderful. And I don't care if you think I'm crazy or not. It doesn't matter to me. Because I know what happened when I came out of that place. I know what happened when I walked out of my room that day. I was never the same. I couldn't be the same. And I would think to myself, it was all in my mind. No, it wasn't. I was, I was with him in the spirit. That's why the Bible says we worship him in spirit and in truth. Because in spirit, it's from the inside. It's got nothing to do with the physical body. So my spirit is worshiping him. And I'm praying in the spirit. I'm praying and I'm praying in tongues. And I'm having an encounter with the Lord. And I'm just going for it. And all of a sudden, it feels like I'm in the room with God. And while I'm busy worshiping him, it's like the presence is there. And all of a sudden, I have this incredible encounter. And yes, it feels like it's in my mind, but it's not quite in my mind. And when I walk out of my room, and I feel like it's been half an hour, and it's like five hours have gone by. It's because I've been in his presence. But it was something that I desired. I desired his presence, so I began to seek him that way. And then I had that moment. Don't think you can't have a, an experience with God that way. Don't think it's only for elite people. I'm not elite. I'm normal just like you. The only thing good about me is Him. The only thing that's wonderful about me is Him. I said to somebody just the other day, they said to me, you know, Pastor Alex, they were going through a really difficult time. 
And they said to me, you know, I should have prayed more. I should have done this more. I should have done that more. I said to them, listen, why don't you stop for a moment and recognize the God that you serve. He is so great and can do so much more than what you didn't do. He's so much greater than what you didn't do. He can step in right now. But you must become someone that understands that because you become someone that desires and seeks after his presence. You see, when you are someone that pursues his presence, nothing is really impossible. Even though often we feel like it is. Because you've, once you've had an encounter with God like that, once you've pursued the presence like that, and you've decided with all of your heart, you, you just never know what God will do next. Are you guys okay? Okay. Let me show you something else. In 1 Kings 8, verse number 10, it says this. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. That's what happens when you begin to pursue Him. When you begin to pursue His presence. If his presence comes, let me show you something. It says there, it says the cloud filled the whole house and they could not continue ministering anymore. Why? Because the presence came. When the presence comes, you just can't, you can't do anything anymore. You can't, you can't, you can't, you just can't do anything. You just stop. You stop. I'll, I'll share a story with you. I hope my parents don't mind me sharing this. Many, many years ago, they were having an argument or something. I don't want to get into the details. But my dad and mom were at the gate of the house, and he was leaving. And while he was leaving, all of a sudden, this light came. Now, my dad is a scientist, guys. He's a doctor. He doesn't believe in flaky stuff, okay? This light came out of nowhere. And sat on top of them, both. And both my mom and dad had to go onto the ground. They couldn't stay standing anymore. He shares the story much better than I do because it happened to him. But the presence was so strong that all they could do was lie on their faces and not even look up. And my dad says, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but all that could come out of his mouth was, I, was Oh God. God, I worship you, something to that effect. Nothing else could come out of him because of the presence that had come in that moment. That's what happens to you when God's presence comes. It changes you forever. It changes you forever. But we have these experiences, not so that we can now just say, well, you know, I've had that experience, it's great. No, we have to be people that always desire more of him that always desire to draw closer to him. How many of you really want to see God change your family? How many of you want to really see God change our city? Come on, how many of you want to see God change our nation? Amen. It is going to require people with presence.
when Jesus would walk in the room, the atmosphere would change. I have seen that many times. How when someone's pursuing God with all of their heart, when they walk in the room, guys, the atmosphere changes. Why? Because they carry the Lord. Why? Because they've been in His presence. Is it them? No, it's got nothing to do with them, but they have been with Him. They are the friends of the bridegroom. If you want God to change and bless you and deliver you, you have to be a person that wants to pursue His presence. How many more sermons will I preach on His presence? I don't know. Maybe I'll do it every week for the next six weeks. Why? Because I know how important it is. I know how important it is for me. I know how important it is for us as a church to never lose our focus, which is Him. Oh God, to be in your presence, to have a conversation with you. To be in your presence, Lord. To hear your voice. Your word says, your sheep hear your voice. I know your word is true. Therefore, I know I hear your voice. And I will hear it when I'm with you. When I seek you. As I desire you, Lord. Father, the world is so full of distractions. But I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to be a people that pursue your presence in the midst of all the distractions, in the midst of the chaos and the confusion and the fear and the anxiety that the enemy tries to bring against us. Father, if only we can be like the prophet Isaiah that was pursuing you. If only we can be like Daniel, Father, that set his heart to seek the Lord. And as he began to pray, the heavens began to move and angels began to go out because of his prayers. Does your word not say when, when he, the first day that he began to pray, your, the angels went out? Father, I know that you are doing that even now on the earth on our behalf. If only we pursue you. If only we become a people that are hungry and thirsty for more of your presence. And so I give you thanks for it. That was not the end, just by the way. I'm almost done, though. Are you guys okay? When Moses was with God in the wilderness, in Exodus 33, verse 15, this is what he said to the Lord. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? You will have grace. You will have favor. You will have his blessing. You will have deliverance when his presence is with you guys.
If you have his presence in your life, you will experience it. That's why he says, how will your people know that I have found grace in your sight? Except you go with us. So we shall be separate for your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. I want you to know something. There is something that separates you. Yes, it's your name. It's your position. You have been positioned in Christ. You have given your life to the Lord. You have literally been born again. That's wonderful. But become a people that pursue God's presence, that say to him, Lord, I'm not going to pray for that lady unless you come with me, unless your presence is with me. I'm not laying hands, Lord, unless the anointing's upon my life that breaks the yoke. Holy Spirit, if you don't move through me, I don't want to lay hands. If you don't move through me, Holy Spirit, I don't want to touch anybody. Holy Spirit, Lord, your presence is all I need. I need you to come with me. I need you to lead me. I need you to help me make the right decisions. I need you, Lord. I need your presence. Amen. Psalm 27, verse number four says this. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. One thing I desire. You see, many times we want all the things and the benefits but we don't pursue the one thing that will actually bring all of those things automatically. Well, you know, Pastor Alex, I really want to be delivered. How badly do you want his presence? How badly do you desire him? If you do, you'll see deliverance. If you do, you'll see change and blessing. Amen. Is everybody awake? Are you all okay? Amen. In both stories regarding the ark in the time of David, we see the first, how in the presence, when the ark was present, God's blessing was there. When the presence got to the enemy, the enemy was cursed and had to get rid of the presence. So remember that when the enemy is around, he will always want you to not have the presence. Because if you don't have the presence, he can stick around a little longer. But when the presence is there, he has to go. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.